It says that the day that you have been declared to be in remission is the day that you need to revisit your mission. You're listening to the Wholehearted Podcast, and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Alright, welcome listeners to another episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And today, I'm extremely excited to have with me my good friend, fellow professional speaker, Joseph Wong. Joseph is the founder and producer of Rise Up Global. And he's also an award-winning human leadership coach, author, and keynote speaker. Welcome, Joseph, to the Wholehearted Podcast. Hello guys, this is Joseph at Rise Up. Uh, privileged to be invited by Cohen to be on his show today. Fantastic. Joseph and I only met about two years ago to a mastermind. <laughs> yeah. But when I listened to his story, I was totally blown away. Thank you. Thank you. Like you've yeah. had a remarkable story mm. that you can definitely share a lot with us about. Mm. But first of all, let's get into some common questions we ask our guests. Sure. My first question is this, what does being a wholehearted mean to you, Joseph? So the word wholehearted is that you need to be fully 100% in, right? And not just 99%. Uh, I think wholehearted is, I think, being able to really, uh, you know, uh, well, I would say the word you know, wholehearted is about first finding a fire and being able to ignite that fire in you. I think being able to ignite the fire with you, with the fire, you know, you're able to have the vision and then you'll be able to inspire to do a lot more. Uh, not just for yourself, but I think most importantly, it's actually for the people actually around you. Yeah. Wow, I love it. The whole idea of igniting a fire within you yeah. and then being able to inspire <coughs> other people around you. Mm, mm. Fantastic. Yeah. So what are some of the obstacles for living wholeheartedly? I guess maybe the, the one of the small obstacles is that we tend to always... Uh, you know, benchmark or rather compare to what the world or what the society wants, right? And I think, I mean, we have that experience, right? Be it, you know, we call it imposter syndromes or trying to do things just because to please people. And um, I think people who is not able to lead wholehearted, they actually got their baseline completely wrong. And they're climbing against, on, you know, the wrong ladder to even begin with. Uh, wholehearted, I think, require, require us to actually find our baseline from scratch, you know, uh, yes, we live in a reality, you know, there is still society and the world, but are we really leaning too much towards that? It's like, you know, too, how much is too much to even begin with? So I, I, so I think that, I think wholehearted is really begins with finding your own baseline first, you know, before you look out to the world and, and the reality. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's deep, that's deep. And when you yeah. mention the word baseline, mm. I think that brings me to the, the big question. Yeah. Right, I think we find our baseline when we are brought to our knees, when mm, we are mm. at our rock bottom, when we have nothing but our values, our mm. core values, our mm. beliefs, mm. our faith, our spiritual compass to yep. to bring us forward. So, let's talk about the recent mm. turning points in your life, mm. like when you hit rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting part is that is that you know. Um, I wouldn't know whether it applies to anybody, but as well as I'm concerned, I think wholeheartedness begins when I was stripped to the bare minimum, right? So when your identity basically actually collapsed on you and you don't really know where you are, and that's, I think, the beginning of uh, you know, a wholehearted journey. 
So I think in 2019, um, so I was a very active person, you know, back then. Uh, and then so I was uh, running the, the my own business, you know, for like 16 over years. And then somebody in actually 2019, I still remember it was in the month of March. <clears throat> without any warning or without any symptom, you know, I, I woke up one day and, um, you know, I lost the use of all my 10 fingers. You know, the fingers were swelling, you know, and then when at night when you go to sleep, the pain radiate down to all your joints, your knees, your ankle. And it was like, you know, the first thing you do is, yeah, I mean, you, you look for doctors, you look for specialists. The interesting part is that, you know, after visiting, you know, more than like seven different doctors and they were all specialists. Uh, all they can tell me to do is, you know, Joseph, you need to be on medication for the rest of your life. And they couldn't really find, find out, you know, what's wrong with you in the very beginning. And all they can tell you is, you know, you have to be on medication for the rest of your life. So it simply means that I need to live with pain for the rest of my life. It's like, you know, I don't think anybody can accept that, right? And the journey move into, um, moving into very extreme depression. And in the midst of it, while you are still bearing in pain, I lost my confidence. My confidence went down to sub-zero and it's a very different thing to suddenly, suddenly realize that, you know, what, what it feels like to have zero confidence, right? Because to most people, they always say that, oh, I have no confidence or low confidence, but it's like sub-zero confidence, you know, that's a different thing altogether. So I think going into very extreme depression, you know, on the verge of um, wanting to end my life story, right? Uh, because when you have mental and emotional pain, your physical pain amplified everything. <clears throat> and that actually makes things worse. So it's until around suffering for three quarters of the year, somewhere around October, November, somehow I found the, the, the root cause, which by medical science, they won't endorse it. You know, um, but I went into the natural healing protocol. I seek out therapies. I seek out natural path. I refuse to take Western medications because I refuse their diagnosis to even begin with. Uh, so I... I started on my own journey of actually discovering not just a solution, but more importantly, also discovering myself, you know, um, confronting, you know, some of the inner demons that's been around for years because you wouldn't know whether is it a psychosomatic issues, but you want to tackle every possible, uh, uh, every possible cause, you know, you are, I was really leaving no, no stones unturned, right? Everything that I will lay my hands on to find your solutions, I will go and find. I think in the midst of it, the interesting part is that when I was talking to all these therapies, the natural path, the bioresonance, you know, these are all therapies. And from there, you actually understand a lot more about what's the mind, the body, and the soul is really all about. And we realize that, you know, natural healing is holistic healing. Holistic healing is really about, you know, understanding your mental, emotional, and of course, your spiritual mastery. Yeah. So that's the long story short. <laughs> wow. When you talk about sub-zero confidence, yeah. that was really... Um, I recall you told me that mm. you went from a person who speaks in front of hundreds and thousands of people yeah. at once to being even afraid, yeah. right, to enter into an elevator with a yeah. stranger. Exactly, exactly. And I was afraid to enter an elevator with a stranger inside. I was afraid to enter even like, uh, you know, shopping mall or places with a lot of people. And suddenly you just, and then it just dawned on me, it goes like, you know, um, this is not normal because I've never experienced it before. And, and the part about, you know, you can read about depression, but to experience ex depression is a different thing altogether. Yeah. And uh, having gone through that, you know, I think a lot of people that went through depression will also agree with me that, you know, nobody can talk you out from depression, right? There comes a day where you need to decide whether do you want to walk out of it, right? I mean, I know of a person that was in depression for 10 years and suddenly one day he snapped, 
he woke up and he start cleaning the house, right? And the family member was like, "What's happening to him? You know, is he like going to relax?" But it's just that on that day, he just decided that it's enough and he's ready to walk out of bed. So I think that that goes the same, you know, uh, for myself. Uh, I think when I talk to a lot of people, we went through that. We all share the same sentiment. Uh, and I think in the journey, you know, people with depression, we all know that um, they are just standing on the very thin line. You know, either they walk out or they decided to end their life. So yeah. Well, so what helped you to stay the course? You said that there were several times when you wanted to end your life story. Mm. What was the thing that made you cling on to? What were you holding mm. on to? Um, I think first and foremost, uh, of course, uh, God was in the picture. That's definitely for sure. Uh, I think I wouldn't have uh, walked through the darkest hour, you know, without um, the higher purpose and the higher higher access, lah, right, to God. Uh, but at the same time, I still remember I had a conversation uh, with him. And I goes like, you know, uh, 40 over years, you know, is this really why, why you brought me all the way here in order and then end my story here, right? And of course, I have no answer. But deep inside, the answer is, uh, no, I'm not going to end my story here because I'm, uh, it just doesn't make sense for me to just end, it, end my story because there's so much more that I want to do. Now, the interesting part is that when I was in that um, very messy stage, the very darkest hour, uh, there is no way for you to look forward and then have a dream or vision to motivate you. It's impossible. It's impossible because you are in the middle of the pain and all that mess. And I lost my ability to make decisions at that point of time because the mind was just full of anxiety and worries. So I knew that um, the only thing that actually brought me through is I just told myself, I just told myself, you know, how do I just get myself in my sound mind every day? That was my only purpose. How do I keep myself sane? How do I keep myself sound every day? Right? And I realized that this is really what it means by living one day at a time. And your vision and your dreams and your goal no longer matters to you anymore. You just want to stay alive until when I find a solution. That's all I need. I just need to stay alive. I just need to stay sound every single day until the solution appears. Yeah, wow. and it's painful because you don't really know, you don't have a timeline, yeah. right? You don't have a timeline. Yeah. So people comes to you and get, goes like, you know, tough time don't last, you know, tough men do, you know, I say that's, sorry, I say that's BS <laughs> because you don't really know that's, is there even a time, right? There is no deadline, there is no uh, finishing line to even begin with. So I know that uh, in order to ensure that, you know, I, I, I somehow arrive at the solution when the solution pops up, I need to just ensure that I'm in my sound mind because if I'm not in my sound mind, I will have end my life story. Yeah, and I think the only way for me to keep my sound mind was every day, you know, I only woke up at like around 12 p.m. because it was not worth waking up, right? I woke up and you couldn't do anything. So I woke up at 12 p.m. and after lunch, I will go down to my vault deck, you know, that's near to a park and I will just sleep at the bench there for the next three to four hours, right? Listening to my uh, worship song and then after that, I just go back home, have dinner and I slept at seven. So this is like wake up at 12, sleep at 7, spend your 3 to 4 hours at Void Deck because that was like a century, right? To keep myself sound. And that was how I've been living my life <clears throat> for the entire 2019 until when the solution comes up. So it was really one day at a time. It was really one day at a time, yeah. Wow, what I'm hearing is really staying in the game, staying in the game, staying in the game, staying in the game, staying in the game yeah. until the solution arrives. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Wow. And wow. it was like, I think during that journey, uh, is. Um, I think people go slide. I mean, the, 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 the word positive thinking completely has no, <laughs> has no effect on me. Uh, and then when I came back, it was not positive thinking, it was actually possibility thinking. 
It was during that period of time, you know, as long as there is a potential solution, a therapist or whatsoever, somebody recommends something, I will just go and I will just try. Because when you try and you try out those possibilities, you'll be able to eventually connect the dots and it will eventually give you a little hope along the way, right? Until you hit the right one, until the solution comes along um, and you're just going out and just try those possibilities, which might not lead you to a solution, but it's worth hitting it. I think what I just heard from you, right, um, if I can dive deeper into mm. it, right, if I, you allow me, um, there are people who use the word depression very loosely. Yeah. Basically, you know, things don't go their way, yeah. people let them down, yeah. relationship turns out. Yes, I get it. There is some form of shame. There's a form of sadness, grief. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call that brokenheartedness. Mm. But That's a good word. Yeah, I think that's really a good kind of like a yeah. opposite of wholehearted. Yep. You're broken and then you're whole again. Mm. But what I'm hearing from you is something even deeper. Yep. It's not a matter of, oh, you know, I'm so sad, I'm so brokenhearted. There is an element of helplessness. Mm. Yep. Like you're going from diagnosis to diagnosis <coughs> and no one can diagnose you accurately. Yep. No one can find out and explain to you what exactly is the issue. Exactly. And basically the diagnosis is like you got to take medication and live with this pain for the rest of your life. Exactly. So there's this sense of helplessness. And I think only people who have lived through this helplessness can really articulate what that means. I mean, try your best, right? It's like, how do you like, describe that sense of helplessness? I mean, of course, you have talked about zero confidence, but what about that sense of helplessness mm. was so debilitating or so disempowering? I guess one of the things about helplessness was like, uh, you know, when I came back, I was looking at depression and I just simply split it into three different groups. Mm. The first group is what I call the uh, more of a mild, you know, depression. Mild depression is something that I say that everybody out on the streets have a certain degree of depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Those are the depression that really don't really bother you, right? You go and work out, you can do something that you like and you get over it very fast, yep. right? But there is something always at the back of your mind that you are, you know, ruminating over, right? Yep. Uh, the second the second part of like depression is like they are really in some trouble, but because you are so busy that you don't pay attention to it. Oh, okay. Right? Until something snap. Right? Mm. You just keep accumulating until something broke. Mm. Right? Mm. And mm. of course the, the the last is depression is really the extreme one which I was into. Right? It can be for me it was caused by a, a infection, a illness that, that just been just been out of control. Right? And I think in the in the in the midst of that helplessness, I think that the best way to Perhaps explain <clears throat> helplessness is if you go into a shopping mall most of the time, you see a lot of people on the wheelchair selling tissue paper, right? Or I went to uh, one of like, you know, Tomboro Market and I saw somebody seated there selling tissue paper, but one of his legs is like totally amputated, right? And all he can, all they can do is just to sit there. Now, I resonated with helplessness when uh, I was in that moment and I walked past these people and I completely understand what it feels like to be seated in a wheelchair. You can only hand out tissue paper and there's nothing else you can do. Right? Because you can't move at all. And when I see that, that was like the best representation of what helplessness is for. Because you are there, you want to do something, right? You know you can get your life better, but it's just physically not possible. Right? And that was like helplessness. So when I pass by these people nowadays, I can feel for them, right? To 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 know what it's like to be completely helpless. So whenever so there was this at the market, you know, that this guy, you know, he's like He's very young. He's only like maybe around late 20s, right? He's from uh, Malaysia and then he came to Singapore to work and then because of a job accident, he lost his leg, right? And, and he was there selling tissue paper. I couldn't help it, but just to go up beside donating to him, but to pat on his shoulder and just have a very short conversation with him, 
right? And because I know what it's like to be completely helpless and not really know what you can do next. Yeah, so that was tough. As I listening to you, um, of course, the recovery journey from that also imbue you with certain mm. level of empathy, compassion, and yep. deeper understanding of human suffering. Yep. Can you yep. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I guess the part about uh, empathy and compassion was quite alien to me. I mean, we read about it, we know about it. I think before my episode, you know, I was a very labyrinth person, right? He's always doing business, you know, P&L and so on and so forth. Uh, and then when I came back, suddenly I realized that everywhere I go, I could actually feel for people. Even before my episode, you know, being the eldest in the family, you know, you always have this uh, big responsibility, right? So you have to be hard. You do have to be strong. You know, sometimes we have to be hard on ourselves. Uh, to appear strong in our family. So in, in that years, you know, I've never held the hand of my mom, you know. But interesting enough, when I came back, when I recover, I start actively holding the hand of my mom every time when I see her. And I knew that there's something in me that have completely shifted because I was behaving in ways that I would never do in the past. So when I came back, when I reflected, I knew that the empathy had went up, you know, the compassion had went up. But it went up because I knew what it's like to empathize yourself. You will have compassion on yourself because you will. I was in a very long suffering journey. Uh, I think it's only when we can self empathize and self compassion, only then can we actually show people what's empathy and compassion. So I think that have actually shifted. It was a very traumatic experience for me, but when I came back, it was a very traumatic as transformation as well. So today, when I run my business, people have feedback that I have been using and activating a lot of my right brain, you know, a lot of empathy and compassion when I'm running certain events, conferences, and, and I was like manifesting and using, you know, my, my the talent and the gift that I've always been given completely, you know, packaged with a very new chemicals, if I may use, use the word, right? And that's uh, what I'm doing now, yeah. And I think, um, obviously, the, we need to, I think life actually, sometimes we appreciate life at, the polar opposites, yep. right? Like when we understand what really helplessness is, mm. then we know, understand what helpfulness is. Yep. Because yep, the opposite so of helpless is helpful, right? Yeah. Often, we use the, the adjective helpful very loosely. Like, mm. oh, Joseph is a helpful person. Yeah. As yeah. a way of saying, oh, Joseph is a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, but of course, we want we, we don't have the, the the vocabulary. We just yeah. kind of like yeah. use helpful as a shorthand for nice. Exactly. But I think helpful speaks something spiritually even deeper mm. right mm. Um, the awareness of others yep. and their needs mm. and the willingness to then extend that helpfulness mm. I think that's so that's so powerful yeah and I think that speaks that speaks that shows up a lot in the work that you do which we, we shall go to that in a moment's time right we'll yep. talk a yep. little bit about, about mm. more of the Rise Up conference but like I think a lot of what you have done is is really shifted your focus from mm. left brain me centric to other centric. Yeah, I think it's a lot of shifting from. Uh, uh, I mean, you're right to point out that you know it's, it was very self centric, right? In the in the very early days, and uh, when I, when when you move your focus from inward to outward, you realize that there is a huge possibilities and transformation that you can actually do, because uh, as I think the world actually opens up, right. So it's like for the 16 years when I'm running my business, it's always been very self-centric. And you realize that I'm very, realize that, you know, you discount yourself on a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas and possibilities that you can do. But the moment I start shifting inward to outward, you realize that possibilities are endless. You know, every day you are just like having creativity. You go like, you know, I can do this. There's bigger things that you can do. And when you move 
of inward to outward, you realize that you are able to actually take on more healthy, I call it a healthy risk, right? Where people feel that you are taking a risk, but to you, it's a very healthy form of risk, right? Because you are so pulled towards your goal rather than pushing towards your goal. Because there's something bigger that is actually pulling you forward. Wow. Yeah. I guess most people out there, is always, you set a goal and you push towards it. But yeah. I say, that what's your biggest story beyond your goal that pulls you forward without you trying to push too hard? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Oh, so, but I asked this question, but I think you sort of answered it. But yeah. if you can describe how your identity have shifted mm. before the episode and after the episode, how would you like describe your, your identity shift? Wow. Uh, how do I put it? I, I guess in the, in, the, in the past, I was very limited and restricted to how the world sees me. Right, according to maybe society standard, right? You you say things or do things that try to please people, right? Uh, and maybe you do things that is like consider uh, core right, right? In the society standard, uh. But when I came back, I realized that I found the my my true self, the part about being able to let go of uh whatever imposter syndromes, and I think going out forward, and really deliver a message or perhaps a voice. So in the past, I thought I have a voice, but that was just an impulsive voice, right? It's, it's a voice that's, that's, that's not real, you know, that's just running, you know, uh, uh, on, on the wheels. But when, you come, when I came back, I realized that I decided to step out of the wheel and I stopped running and I start running my own race, right? With my own voice, the mission of trying to send a message out. And of course, the things that I've been, and because I want to, send a message out, uh, all the things that I've been doing actually start appearing, you know, getting help from people and realize that, you know, I was like one person and uh, maybe refusing help from others, getting help from others is difficult to coming back and letting go and going like telling myself that I need all the help that I can and I start reaching out to people and people giving perspective, taking them, making them better and making them bigger. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I think what I'm hearing is that you became more receptive Whereas in the past, you were more just using your energy and willpower to push for things. Yeah. But now what happens <clears throat> is that you're more receptive to <clears throat> the, the signals, the messages of the universe. Exactly. exactly. And, um, and then obviously you become more empathetic and <clears throat> more tuned in <clears throat> to the needs of other people and then letting that guide your actions and saying, hmm, what can I do next to move people forward and at the same time allowing yourself to be helped as well. <clears throat> And I think you you um you summarize it very well, and that's that's a whole thing which I call this. And when I came back, I realized that this is actually what it means to be living a life that is thriving. Previously, I was striving, but thriving to most people is like, what's thriving, right? Yeah. But to me, that that was like you know it best sum out what a living a thriving life feels like, or, or even looks like, because you are no longer like chasing after something. I mean, people always ask me nowadays, is like, you know, Joseph, where do you see Rise Up to be? And I say, I have no answer. You know, Joseph, what's your plan for the next 12 months? I say, I have no answer. Right? <laughs> I say, that, yeah, yeah. And then it goes like, uh, don't you set a goal? I, I say, I don't have a goal, but I have a vision. Mm-hmm, okay. Yes. Because vision, once again, it pulls you. Yep. Right? Yep, yep. A goal, you need to push. So oh. I've, been, I've been pushing it for the 16 years, right? That's so deep. <laughs> right? That's so deep. And, yeah. and I've been pushing for 16 years. And where did it get me? It got, it got me nowhere. Yes. Yeah. But when I have a vision, it actually pulls me. And I say is that I don't have the 12 months or the three years or five years plan because time is no longer of a concern. Because he's asking myself that I only give myself on a 
three months on three months basis. And I ask myself, in these three months on a daily basis, what do I need to do to move the movement? What do I need to do to you know, touch base with all the possibilities? So it's actually in the doing that eventually uh, will get me to hopefully to where I am. I think it's in, it's in the vision that allows me to, to pull me towards it and doing what is necessary you know, to get there. So to me, it's like, I mean, time, time is like suddenly not in the equation, but it's in the action. I, I hear one of my friends saying, that, you know what, it's a movement, a movement need to move, right? Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. And, and all I need to do is to move. Yeah, yeah, do something, right? Do something. Even every day, I was just thinking, what else can I do? What mm. else can I do? Mm. And I think when I do something, the result, the result will take care of itself. The momentum will start coming and you are moving. And when you hit a particular pit stop on a milestone, then you decide, you know, what's the next step. Mm, yeah, and mm. rather than set yourself a time that you need to get there, which is could be actually unrealistic, actually. Would you say that this is somewhat related to the darkest days? I mean, I'm sorry to bring you back there mm, again, mm, but it mm, seems mm. like there's a certain pattern here. Yep. The darkest days when you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's yeah. no time yeah. no time frame, yeah. but you just move, as in like just every day, make an intention to stay in the game yep. and to stay alive. That's, that's, a, that's a very good uh, parallel. In fact, it's, it's almost exactly... Uh, uh, that was the time where I realized that you, you start to experience what it's like to just stay in today. Yeah. Because you have no tomorrow. The power of now. To talk about. And you do not want to talk about tomorrow. Mm. Because the idea here is that people get anxious and, and anxious and, and, and anxiety because they think too much in the future. When they look too much into the past, they have regrets and guilt. Right? So the other way is to actually stay present. Mm. So for me, when pain was there, I... I, I have no bandwidth to look into the future. And because the more I look into the future, the more depressed I get into it because there was no solution in it. Yeah. So I think it's, the, it's uh, and, and uh, you're right that I think when I came back, I realized that there's, there's no need to look into the future. I think it's just to stay in the present, do what we can, start moving things. You know, eventually the picture will appear. Yeah. So beautiful, so beautiful. Yeah. Well, well articulated. I mean, even, even I didn't mention at the start of the podcast that I only know you for a couple of years, but... Yeah. I remember about a year and a half ago when I met you for coffee and mm, uh, we were mm, just chatting. Yeah. The energy wasn't always like, I mean, if I may say, uh, you mm, were you mm. were probably at the early throes of your recovery. And then yeah, that was a time when I just returned. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe there were certain regrets, you were having yeah, certain yeah, yeah. Um, emotions you're still feeling mm, and everything. Mm. But today you're so congruent. You, know? you speak really like uh, what you mentioned, right? you're thriving. Yeah. And you're really on fire, right? You can really see the fire coming out of his eyes as he's talking, as you can hear from his voice, right? Even on this podcast, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just so moved and wow, yeah, yeah. you know, in, in your presence. So just one final question, really, just to close this whole episode, right? Mm. It's like, of course, a lot of our readers write in to me and say, hey, you know, if you're going to be interviewing Joseph and <coughs> his, his story is very inspiring, mm. they also share with me that they have some friends who are you know, going through autoimmune diseases yep. and other chronic diseases. Um, the question that they ask me is that now that you are in a better place, yep. what motivates you every day to keep going? Mm. Um, I guess my, my, my biggest reason, uh, when, when I came, actually came back into the scene, I knew that I, I need to get my hand onto something really to read or to hear, but I was not ready to go back to the very traditional motivational books that we come across. And I think today in my keynote speak, I always say that, you know, uh, motivational books are useful for you when life is going great for you. You know what <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. Yes. So if you are having a little bit of mild depression, you know, you can read a motivational book, it gets you back. But I think when life really throws you or pins you under a mountain, what do you do? 
And I realized that during that period of time, no motivational books, video, or audio could do me any help. So when I came back, it also shifted my huge perspective into what motivation is like. So when I came back, the first thing I asked for, the first thing I was looking out for was looking for a book. You can call it motivational, but you come from a very different perspective. So I came across a book called The uh, Radical Remission. Now, for, for I think some of us that are you know, having illnesses, disease, or autoimmune, I mean, that's, that, that is a book that I would recommend you to pick it up. And two things that actually strike me, all right? In the Radical Remission, the book says this. When I saw my doctors for a final review and my doctors on that day declare me to be in remission, right? She says that remission in scientific terms, it means complete resolution, meaning it's completely not there. And for the person that wrote my report, he needs to be 100, if not 200% sure that it's a complete resolution. So that's how I understand for the medical science. Now, when I read the book, and this book was about these Western doctors went around the world to interview cancer patients. And, uh, and you know, these cancer patients was like, um, they are given six months to leave, right? The doctor says that there's nothing we can do for you anymore. Please go back home. You have six months. Do whatever you need to do. That's a death sentence. And I was given the similar death sentence by seven different doctors, right? But these people went back, they didn't live for six months, they lived for 20 years, 30 Whoa. years without cancer symptoms, without Western medications, without medical interventions, they went into remission. So they were very curious what happened. Now, when they asked the cancer patients what remission really means to them, they realized that remission is not complete resolutions to them. They say that the day that you have been declared to be in remission is the day that you need to revisit your mission. As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C-O-E-N. T-A-N dot com. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. The day you are in remission is the day that you need to revisit your mission. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And that was a wake up call. Right. That was the first wake up oh. call. Right. What was my mission? And I need to revisit my mission. If I'm going to come back into the speaking space, what is my new mission? <laughs> right. Yeah. And the interesting part is this, the second part of the book that, in, that inspired me as well, I hope that it will inspire you as you are hearing this. When we met with cancer survival, you know, we always love to tell them that, you know, I admire your courage that you fought for your life, right? And this Western doctor was talking to one survivor. He says, I admire your courage that you fought for your life. And the survivor responded, I said, no, I didn't fight for my life. And the Western doctor goes like, what do you mean you didn't fight for your life? And this uh, survivor says that I didn't fight for my life. I just found a bigger reason to live. Wow. Right? And wow. it's at that very interesting juncture wow. that the Western doctor paralleled this response to TCM, which is Chinese, <laughs> traditional Chinese medicines. <laughs> right? So in TCM, it says that, you know, uh, we need this qi. Qi in English is energy. Yes. Right? We need this qi. In the body needs the qi in order to repair, renew, right, and restore the body. A person passes away because there's no more qi in the body. He has left the body. And he says that when a person found a bigger story, bigger purpose, bigger reason, they are re-inviting qi back into the body so oh. that the body can heal, restore, renew. When I read that, 
I literally ask myself the questions. <laughs> How can I re-invite Qi back into my body? Wow. And together with a new mission, and I knew that this new mission is a new Qi that I need to bring back into the body. And one thing after another, it leads to the creation, the launch of Rise Up, and of course, yeah. And it's so powerful as well because it's also something similar to the, another parallel to TCM and yeah. Western medication is Western medication treats symptoms. TCM exactly. fortifies your body and your immune system so mm. that you can rise up above that disease. Yeah. So basically, it's like finding a new chi. Finding a new chi. And, and the idea is that Western medication is always about suppress, mm-hmm. right? And I think in the world today, a lot of people are living a life that is suppressed, mm-hmm. right? But when I hear from my natural path, you know, uh, he mm-hmm. says that when you are taking the, the natural herbs, it's not about suppressing your system. Mm-hmm. It's about activating your body to calm down your system. Wow. Because your body has the natural capacity to calm down. You are not activating that ability. You are suppressing the ability. Wow. So the body is intelligent. So I think to, to, to most people, I think having any autoimmune or whatsoever, I think first and foremost, which, which I learned the hard way, of course, is to first, I think, um, fully confident that your body have that natural intelligence to restore, right? Somebody asked me a very interesting question is that I can take all these supplements, but how do I know that it's working, right? Or when I take a supplement, right, maybe a collagen, right? How, does it, how do I know that it goes to my knee, which I need the most, right? So this lady have asked a lot of people these questions, didn't get the really answer. And I give her an answer, I say is that when you take a supplement or a collagen, your body knows where to send it to. You do not need to tell the body where to send it to. Your body has the intelligence to know where to send it to, right? Because you have the intelligence of its own. Wow. But most of the time, we don't trust the body enough. Mm-hmm. So I think for those people that, that is perhaps undergoing a very tough patch, you know, because of certain sickness or illness, first, I think, uh, be assured and confident that your body has the power to heal, the intelligence to heal. Second, I think it's the, it's the ability to actually feed your body with the right nutrients. Nowadays, when I go out and, and eat, I always ask, does this, does this food fit my body with the right nutrients and vitamin? If it doesn't, then don't eat it. Mm. Yeah. And last but not least, I think it's very important to, uh, you know, coming back to this podcast is really about wholehearted, right? The ability to be wholehearted and really ask yourself, what are some of the baggage that you need to really let go of? Face an inner demon is hard. It's hard because it requires, when you face an inner demon, you know, there's a process where you need to really break down yourself. I think the, the, the interesting part is that because you break down yourself, you give yourself a good reason to piece yourself back. Yeah. Completely new. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this reminds me of um, the book by Bessel van der Kolk mm. about the body keeps scores. And I think you're, you're spot on that the body actually has a natural intelligence. And it I does. You need to really honor it. And I think uh, the idea that, mm. you know, we can abuse the body and, <laughs> push it beyond and at the same time also we can pretend that we are not yeah. affected by all yeah. this undealt with emotional baggages exactly, exactly. Um, it's, it's actually just us not willing to confront mm. when we are, we are either not ready for it we mm. are finding it too much of a hassle or yeah. we are just kind of scared of what might come up for us but I think it's really really looking mm. us looking the dragon in the mouth and really yeah. and willing to enter the dragon exactly and the dragon is scary though <laughs> it is scary, it is scary, it is scary. And um, But I think we do not want to also wait until we are beyond, almost at the verge of beyond repair yep. before we decide yep. to kind of, you know, make that recovery. Exactly. But exactly. of course, because of circumstances, you have risen above it. And so mm. that's a nice segue into Rise Up. Now, yep. 
do tell us a little bit more about Rise Up, Joseph, because it's a very inspiring thing for me. But mm. tell us more. Tell the audience more. I guess when I started Rise Up, uh, it was uh, you know figuring out what Rise Up really stand for, you know, along the way, and uh, eventually, you know, after talking to like tons of people, um, you know, Rise Up is is very much um in the human leadership space. I think to us, it's really about humanizing leadership and the workplace. Wow. But I think to me, Rise Up philosophy always have the four S's, and I always says that Rise Up is first, you know, understanding what do you stand for. Right, so even when I talk to leaders, I say that uh, do you know what you stand for as a leader? That is almost like the first questions that could like the biggest obstacle to most people. You know, <laughs> what do you stand for? And people might not even have an answer. So I say is that what do you stand for? Because if you know what you stand for, you will show up in life and you will show up in work. So if you know what you stand for, you will show up in life. You will be able to step up to whatever challenges and whatever new calling that is actually calling out to you. And when you are able to, you know, know what you stand for, you are able to show up. You are able to step up. Then you can positively show off your talent, your gift, and your creativity. To wow! And to me, that are the four S's, the philosophy of what, you know, rise up really stands for. What we are doing. Yeah. Wow! Wow! So, what's the real meaning of rise up? I mean, maybe you want to dive <coughs> deeper because I think some of our audience may be, you know, religious. Mm. And they may also <laughs> sort of guess the meaning behind Rise Up. Maybe you yep. like to tell us a little bit more about that. I, I guess when I came back in the picture, uh, I came back with a lot of compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And then when I re-entered the corporate space, and of course, you know, after COVID, you know, there's a lot of mental health topics that's going yep. on. And when I came back, it was a lot of movement about, um, can people be at their, what, what do you mean by Rise Up? Rise Up is about people at their psychological best, mm. right? Yep. Who dare to step up to want to shape the world. Yep. So rise up to me is that everything that we do is about pushing boundaries, right? If you are not pushing boundaries, then why we are doing it? Yep. And I was like sharing with leaders as well. I say that a very simple way to gauge whether are you rising up. I always say that there's a difference between rising up and waking up. Oh, we know what that oh, means, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 you just yeah. hit, you, hit tell you on more, the <laughs> Tell us more, tell us more. I mean, I get it, I get yeah, it. Yeah. But maybe you have a different definition, tell us more. Yeah. I guess I guess most people resonate with it. You know, the day where you wake up each day and you just go to work and you just do the same old stuff. Yep. And I say that waking up doesn't require effort. Yep. Waking up is a very unconscious process. Yes. And you just go through your life unconsciously. I say rising up is a conscious effort. Rising up is a very intentional action of wanting to wake up that day consciously with the intentions to do something. So I say that rise up is a conscious effort. Waking up is a very unconscious one. You know, are you rising up or are you waking up each day? And there is is this thing where where it says that, you know, everyone of us only have around 30,000 days. Oh, yes. Right? 30,000 days work to around 83 or 84 years old. And I say that if you look at your life in, in terms of number of days that you have left, for example, I calculated mine. I only have like, what, 15,000 days or lesser. Mm-hmm. Some of us have only like 10,000 days. When you realize that you only have 10,000 days, you realize that you want to rise up each day and not wake up each day, yeah. right? Uh, and I say this, that rise up is a conscious effort. And anything that's worth doing requires us to do it consciously. Yep. And because rise up is a conscious effort, making conscious decisions cannot become a habit. Because habit is unconscious. Ooh. Yeah. So it's not a habit, but it's a choice. Yeah. So I said making conscious choices cannot become a habit, but we can make a habit of making conscious choices. I like it. I like yeah. it. It cannot be a habit, but we can be a habit of making conscious choices. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So to, to me, that's like, you know, it took me like one and a half years and then goes like, 
you know, keep challenging what rise up is all about. You know, are we really waking up or rising Whoa. up? Are we living our life consciously or unconsciously? When you are doing something, and I ask myself, when I'm doing something, a movement that's so big, I have to do it consciously because anything that's worth doing requires you to. Wait a second! Wait a second! Did I just hear you correctly? Where you say that day after day you challenge yourself for the last one and a half years, you challenge yourself. What does rise up really mean? Mm. And mm. that's very counterintuitive, right? It's like you speak with so much conviction yeah. <laughs> uh, and so much hood spa about yeah. what rise yeah. up is, yeah. right? You seem very, very congruent. Yeah. But at the back of the head, you're challenging yourself. Why? The idea is to, I think, not rest on the notions that I have found what rise up stands for. Because I think every day I'm asking myself, what else can I do? But when I'm asking myself, what else can I do for rise up? I'm also asking myself, how can I expand the definition of rise up? the meaning of rise up and constantly expanding the meaning of rise up. It's just like the universe is constantly expanding, you know, with no end in mind. And for me to consciously think about what rise up really means for me today, what else can I do today? I'm actually on a very conscious journey. And because I'm conscious, therefore the meaning of rise up continue to expand. But the day that I decided to just make it a habit and unconscious, the meaning stopped. And I won't be motivated to do what I do in rise up if I use a habit, you know, mentality. Yeah. Oh wow! Listen, listen <laughs> to these people. I mean, it's like now it's the start of the year, and people are talking about like cultivating good habits, yeah. your new resolution. <laughs> But right now, what I'm hearing is that habit is unconscious. Make conscious decisions, and and I I just repeat what you just said. Right, anything that's worth doing mm. has to be done consciously, exactly, and intentionally, exactly. Yeah. Wow, the the intentionality that you are putting out mm. and in your voice, yeah. It's just inspiring. It's re- it's very moving. <laughs> yeah. So, alright. I mean, it's almost like almost like for me to ask this question, right? It's like um, rise up also starts with this centerpiece, mm. which is a rise up conference. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you did tell me. I mean, a casual chat, which yeah. is something very counterintuitive <laughs> again to me, uh, uh, especially for us professional speakers. You yeah. Know, it's like there's yeah. always that commercial. There's that dollars and cents element to it, mm. but you just decided that you're going to book a hotel, yep. invite people, and organize a yeah. two three hour conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, not even knowing if it's going to lead to any ROI or any business at all. Exactly. I mean, that's so counterintuitive. Like, what gave you that faith to just jump into it? I I think when I came back into the the scene and and uh, when I incorporated my company Rise Up Global, I closed down my old company that's been running for sixteen years. Right, I closed that company down, and I knew that it was a new chapter. There was no turning back. The only way is forward. Right, and I basically it was a a very it's like a very symbolic milestone where I decided to leave my past life behind, and I started Rise Up Group. Right, completely. Right, new website, everything from scratch. Right, having to do everything over again. And when I actually came back, I asked myself, "What is the first thing that I want to do?" Because it's a movement, I'm now motivated. <clears throat> inspired to think so much bigger, and uh, happened that I was talking to a friend that was eventually became my conference partner, and uh, you know just two, three, two and a half to three months before my actual conference, I just told this friend of mine is that I felt nudge to do something big, and I say is that shall we do a conference? And his answer was yes, let's do it. And by the time I get the green light, I only have two and a half months to turn things around, and I just went all out. You know, to uh, invite clients. You know, I curated all the speakers, the team, put everything together. Uh, in two and a half months, I got people together and we launched it on the last Friday of July. And I still remember that week when we actually launched a conference. That week was the week where Singapore just opened up from COVID. 
and uh, COVID cases were all is all time high, right? And people was going like, you know, Joseph, you must be crazy. You know, what did you do? <laughs> Conference, you know, at the week. And we reserved for around 50 seats. We were so uh, fearful because one night before the conference, it's like 12 people pull out because of COVID, right? It's like 50 people, 12 people pull out. It's like your, your conference is going to go into the mess, right? But fortunately on that day, we still have 50 people. Somehow it turned out, right? And we launched our very first Rise Up conference. And yes, I launched a conference because I know that I wanted the conference to be a place where I can rally people in. Because now I see it as a movement. I don't see it as a program, right? It's a movement that rally people. And that's all I need. I needed to do something that can rally people in. And to rally people, connect people, you need something big. And I launched the very first Rise Up conference. It was successfully <clears throat> launched. And yes, you're right to say that I launched a conference without knowing what is the outcome. It's like taking an airplane, you know, onto the into the into the airspace, and you don't really know where's your runway, you don't know where to land. But I knew that. So a lot of people say that I launched the conference literally by faith, because I launched the airplane into the air, but not knowing where is my runway to land, right? And I just do it because why? Just now, as I mentioned earlier, to me there is no timeline, right? <laughs> there is no timeline. Yeah. Right? If you have timeline, you'll be very concerned about, oh, I need to get ROI, how many people should come in, da, 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 da. But I launch it without fearful of any timeline. I just want to create not just value, but I want to create a conference that is massive in value and to ready people in. And I know at the back of my mind, I want people to come in, to experience Rise Up and to become a advocate of the voice for Rise Up. And that was all I had. That was all I had. And I don't have... I don't have a lot of money at that point in time because in the three years, my financial was hit very badly. So I came back with a little bit of money trying to get a conference partner, sharing the course and trying to do it, everything from end to end. After the first conference, uh, I never thought myself of running a second one, but eventually I still got to running a second one, which was last year. And it was like more people and more people get to hear about Rise Up. And we are like in the midst of talking right now, we are like planning for the third one. And uh, yeah, so that has been the journey so far. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joseph, I think you threw a lot of the playbooks, typical business playbooks out the window, right? It's like <laughs> all, so. all the idea of starting with an end in mind, you know, it's like always think of ROI, track your numbers, yeah. track your data. Yeah. But I think I think I get it. Mm. There is this joie de vivre. In French, we call joie de vivre, which is yeah. like the joy of living, translated directly. Mm. There's a sense of aliveness, a yep. sense of life-giving yep. um, energy, yep. and yep. chi for a better word exactly. that you use, exactly. that comes from the... The kind of um, not exactly a wild abandonment, but mm. a kind of a calculated risk. But at the same time, a, f- a form of um, risky adventurousness, mm. right? In deciding to those like lean into your intention, lean yeah. into yeah. your your voice, yeah. and see where that goes, mm. what it actually can move in yeah. people. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that is so powerful because there's something very primal, there's something very emotional yeah. about it. Mm. It's like a uh, it is like speaking to a, a very, very raw and essential part of, of our human existence. Yep. You know, the moment you do something of profit, mm. I mean, of course we need to turn a profit. We of still course. need to keep the lights on. But yep, the yep. moment if, if that becomes your sole purpose or sole mission, it becomes very, people people kind of like, you know, sort of take, take certain points off, right? Like, yep. oh yeah, you know, they are just trying to make some money and everything like that. Yep. And then you, you just sound like everybody else. Yeah. So I really like that. I mean, like that. that yeah. There's certain joie de vivre. There's certain second wind. There's certain certain. Mm. There's certain second chi that you found. 
having ro- rose up. I mean, pun intended yeah. from from <laughs> from that near death experience. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's it's funny because in my second rise up conference, you know, one of the delegates, we, you know, she told me that you know, she, uh, in her close to thirty years of experience at attending conference seminars and all the stuff, right? She has attended tons of it. They say that you know, Joseph, I came to your conference and I was like very curious and surprised because you know you are the only one conference in my thirty years that when I attended, you don't charge and you don't sell. <laughs> <laughs> I say, what's the ROI? And I was expecting that because everybody is asking me what's the ROI. Yes, right. And I say is that I, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we have said this. You don't, you don't really believe me, but I, I really don't know what the ROI looks like. I don't, I don't. I just know that at the moment of time when I do it. You know, we have like maybe close to 80 people inside the room for the four hours. We have fantastic speakers and business leaders, you know, it's a curated events. People come and experience, rise up, you know, I get to send a message. I send, I, I, I get to be the voice for something. You know, I, at the day is, at the day is, I always share with people that, you know, when people resonated with what Rise Up is doing, I can resonate with the spirit of Rise Up, then they will want to work with us, right? And I will want to work with clients that is willing to rise up too, Right? And people that do not resonate with us, then so be it. I think I, yeah. I, did, I think I know the answer. I mean, the thing that just came to my mind as I'm listening to you, I mean, I don't claim to know your answer, but <laughs> this is my answer as I, listen, yeah. as I was listening to you, is the ROI is infinite. Because mm. the outcome of it is love. Mm. And people yeah. fall in love with their life again. People fall in love with possibilities in their life again. Yep, yep. And possibly nice people, people fall in love with themselves. Yeah. And, and love is priceless. Yep. And it's, it's like, you know, as I mentioned, it's reinviting the chi back into the body. Yeah. Because when I'm doing the conference, it was not about me anymore. It was not about me anymore, right? Because if it's about me, I'll be very concerned about ROI. But it's not about me anymore. And it means that I can do bigger things. So I always hear that when the focus is focused outward, you will do bigger things outward. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Wow, 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 wow. That's, that's so beautiful. That's so yeah. beautiful. That's, I think that's... I think people should stop asking questions like what's the ROI? The question <laughs> should be what's the ROL? Return on love. Yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> what's the return on love? Yeah, 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 yeah. Return on love, man. Yeah, like, so 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 I know they the journey it took me sixteen years and three years of darkness to come to this point. Yeah. Sound cliche, but uh, like you know, people always say is that no God has a reason. Yes. Yeah, I mean, during the darkest moment, you can't see the reason. You know, I was scolding and reprimanding and cursing God during that period of time. <laughs> right? So, so when I when I returned, I start to understand why do why do I I start to understand that God has a purpose, God has a reason in His very spiritual sense, right? So, so for most people, they say, "Oh, God has a reason," but they might not really mean it. So when I came back and witnessing how I suddenly have the, the fire reignited, yeah. found the visions, you know, and then went all out to take on risks that people seems um, irrational and able to do something that perhaps people have never thought of. And it goes like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the story has just started. Oh, love it. The story has just started. Oh, we are almost yeah. 50 plus minutes into this podcast and the story has just started. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I but love it's it. an exciting journey down yes. there. It's an exciting story. There's uh, many more chapters to be unfolded. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to partake and yeah. to journey with you and be inspired by you on this journey. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Joseph, um, you know, it's like we, we have really, really um, um, sought to really exciting heights, you know, on yeah. this podcast, as you can tell, I'm just increasingly more and more energized as this episode goes along. Mm. Uh, but we do have to land this plane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, much as yes. you are, you are, you are, you are going to yeah. land, you, you, you the took off. The tower is calling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, much as you, you sort of like took off 
uh, and uh, not having a uh, knowing where you're going or yeah, having yeah. a timeline, but we just got land this plane, right? Yep. So, yep. so we normally end a podcast with uh, some some quick fire questions, mm. and just give your quick fire answer, right? Sure. And you've you've been on fire, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, um, my first question is this: yeah. What's the most powerful question you have ever been asked before? Wow. Uh, what's the most powerful question that's been asked before? This is a very appreciate questions that my film producer asked me. Right, she said that. Uh, how do you define success in life? <laughs> it's a very age old question. Yes. Uh, I didn't give a very pretty good answer back then, but while after the, the the whole episode is finished, I spent two weeks later. The answer came back to me. And always says that when 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 the questions keep bothering you, it means that you have not really answered it truly. And uh, and my answer to to, to today is that how, how you know uh, am I successful today? You know what is my success definition in life? And my definition today is that the day that I leave this world, I want to leave this world with all my material possession in just a very small box. So if I can leave the world with just a small box of my material possession, I think I'm successful. And people ask me why. I say that because if I can leave the world with just a very small box of material possession, it means that my focus has been about the world. It's not about me. Yeah. But people who leave the world with like cargo trucks or material possession, I then I think something is a bit off. Okay, Chinese New Year is coming. It's a, a very good reminder <laughs> for me to do some spring cleaning. Yeah, exactly. So I say that have a small box because when you have a small box, it means that your focus is outward and not inward. Beautiful, beautiful. But your box is small, but your heart is huge. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Second question: Who is a mentor or supporter who has made a difference, the biggest difference in your life? Ah, uh, wow. Um, well, there was a, there was a, there was a few that came on board. Um, to me, if you ask me that, uh, I mean, spiritually, I say that God has to be the biggest mentor. Mm. Yeah. But I think, I think in the in the midst of it, um, in my journey, anyone that show up during my darkest hour, I see them as my mentor. Right from the therapist to the natural path, you know, to people that came in and given me certain insight on what to do, you know, those are my valuable mentors along the way. So before, without them, I could not connect the dots and get out of the darkest moment. Having said all of that, I think it's also incumbent on you being humble enough to to receive those signals. The interesting part is that before my episode, uh, humbleness has never in my vocabulary. So when I came back, the ability nowadays to say is that I need all the help that I can spoke directly about the humility that I get to experience. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And um, like you said, healing the signals of your mentor. Mm, yeah. Right? Uh, it also takes an openness to Takes an openness. Yeah, sometimes um, yes. we pass by so many signals in our life without even flinching and yeah. even noticing them. Final question. What is one of the most courageous things you have done in your life and you have done many <laughs> that has made all the difference? What's the most courageous thing you have done in your life that has made all the difference? Wow. I guess the most courageous thing that I've done to date is to make the decisions to really close down my old companies and decided to leave my old life behind and leave a new. That's something that a, a mentor told me that, uh, Joseph, you need to learn how to let go of your old life and leave a new one. In my darkest hour, I couldn't understand. But when I came back and when Rise Up was born, I started to understand what it means by leave a new life and leave the old one behind. I am still processing that one. <laughs> it's a very sobering question. Is, Possibly is. that is a question that, yeah. uh, that I haven't answered well enough that I need to ponder over the yeah. next few months maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and I think when I came back, I knew yeah. that I'm living a new life because there's so much things that I've done ever since Rise Up was born. Yep. So Rise Up is my new life, you know, with new way of thinking, the possibilities, thinking, and, and so much more. And uh, yes, there are still some remaining, you know, leftovers, right, from the past. 
like you are now ready to meet them and say, you know, I know you're around, you know, thank you for the time, you know, but I'm ready to deliver a new one. Yeah. And embrace uh, new adventures and a new frame of mind. Thank you, Joseph, yeah. for being on this show. Where Most can our welcome. listeners, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, you can always go to the website, you know, riseupglobal.co, or you can just find me at LinkedIn. You know, uh, just look for Joseph Rise Up, and you will get to see me. Fantastic, fantastic. We will definitely post links to Joseph in the show notes. And Joseph, it's been a really wonderful, uplifting, Thank uprising. <laughs> maybe I don't know what, what other words, right? To, maybe uprising yeah. is not the word. Sounds like you're starting some revolution. But, uh, you, but it is a revolution. It's a positive. <laughs> yes. yeah, it's a positive. It's a positive revolution. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Thank um, you for having me on the show. Wow, I I'm just I, I think I speak on behalf of the listeners and we we have just been treated we have just been given we have just been given a real treat. Thank you. Um, Thank I hope you have just been as inspired as I was on this podcast interview with uh, Joseph. And once again, we thank you very much. Thank you. And I wish you all the best in continuing to spread your mm. beautiful, beautiful you know your fire, your mm. light, and um, continue to shine brightly, continue to inspire many people to rise up, yep, um, yep. to stir them from their, from, from wherever they are yep. and um, to, to lift them up to bigger possibilities. Thank you so much. Wow, I'm still breathless. Talking to Joseph has been such an inspiring and uplifting experience for me and I hope that it has been for you as well. Very often, we think, who are we to live our brightest lives? And as you listen to Joseph, we also possibly be asking, do we have to wait until we are confronted with our darkest hours when we were totally left powerless and helpless before we decide that we're going to make the best of our lives? Or perhaps you feel a little stuck. You feel that you are hitting a plateau or you just couldn't find the second wind. I think deep down inside every single one of us is a primal desire to be the best version of ourselves, to flourish to rise above our difficulties and challenges. Maybe we have chosen lives of comfort and therefore we don't want to break from that comfort. But I hope that Joseph's story has helped you that to remember that we have finite days in our lives but the possibilities that await us are infinite. When we focus outwards instead of focus inwards, suddenly the world, the universe, is at our beckoning. They are waiting for us. They are waiting to cheer us, support us. They are waiting for us to show up and show off the best of our God-given talents. And they are also there to support us, to help us, and to guide us. We can be alive and awaken to listen to these signals and messages along the way. And I hope that this podcast has definitely ignited the spark in you. Once again, this is Cohen Tan. Stay wholehearted. Thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I have creating it for you, I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode? To the next episode, stay wholehearted.